down the far side. Got a man open in the end zone. Stills grabs a touchdown. Kenny Stills. What a pair of hands. Lehman showing blitz. There's the blitz. Yesterday, man, they're scared. Damn scared. They're scared, and that's not to our advantage. You have to get a scared man, scared team. Super job, you're a champion, undisputed champions. All right, everybody, welcome to the Bud, Barry, Bob, and Beer podcast. I'm your host, Kamiar Marabian. I'm joined by two of my Loyal compadres and amazing people on this podcast, Stephen Brown. Stephen, how you doing, man? Doing well. It's been a long time. It's been what, like it four has. months since we last podcast. Yeah, I, I checked it on the. Five I checked months? it on Apple. It's been since January, so it's it's been a minute. So, uh, think things things have happened since then. And here's our other loyal compadre and Jack Shields. Jack, how we doing? We're doing good, and uh, you might notice that we have the new name for our podcast. Uh, let's acknowledge the uh, elephant in the room here, first of all. So SB Nation is no longer sponsoring the uh, college football podcasts, essentially, across all the uh, different schools, all of its different brands. So anyway, we're off on our own. We own our own podcast now, and right now we're currently in the process of uh, – looking at some opportunities for growth as far as that's concerned and platforms and all that. But uh, anyway, we're uh, called Bud, Berry, Bob and Beer. And uh, the podcast itself is no longer affiliated with SB Nation or Crimson and Cream Machine. But obviously, we're all over at Crimson and Cream Machine. Read Crimson and Cream Machine. We're still there. 100%. And pretty some pretty interesting things on the horizon possibly so some things to look out for and some things to uh yeah like you said we'll keep y'all posted on that wheeling and dealing and such but man we got a spring game to break down so hot takes any takes straight out of a cannon jack i'm coming right back to you after watching the spring game especially basically just the first half except like the last drive of the entire second half what is your reaction to what you saw? Well, for one, uh, McCullough is that dude. Reggie Pearson is that dude. Bothroyd is that dude. Those are the three guys who are newcomers from other schools through the portal. Three of the crucial additions, and all of them passed their initial audition with flying colors, it seems. Now, I mean, you can obviously take it with a grain of salt. It's a spring game. Bothroyd was going up against a offensive line that is – Patchwork at best at this point. So uh, you can, you know, take that for what it's worth. But Reggie Pearson looked like a veteran safety, a guy who is a sure tackler, was reliable in coverage. Um, nothing bad to say about him whatsoever. He is looking like a terrific addition already. And then McCullough, you know, that, I mean, it's going to take him a second to pick up the cheetah position. Obviously, I mean, Harrington is a little bit more up to speed. Obviously he's been uh, in the program a bit longer, obviously, but I don't think it's going to take long for McCullough to be, uh, you know, maybe even one of the top players, if not the top player on the defense when it's all said and done this year. Yeah. There was some rumor that Harrington may play over McCullough to start the uh, spring game, but that of course it's a was tough not defense to learn. It wouldn't surprise yeah. me on opening day, but I mean, eventually you would have to think that he would overtake him at some point. Yeah, I mean, I agree with all the above said sentiment. I mean, like the guys that you brought in for defense were the guys that, I mean, you hoped they would be at least in that capacity. And of course, there are some more additions to the team on offense, let alone that are still to be seen. And so, Steven, what what, what are your knee-jerk reactions to this game? Yeah, you touched on the transfers and kind of like the the veteran players there. I thought the the young players really stood out to me, um, especially PJ Adabare, Adabara. I don't know if you guys watched the broadcast. Adabare is what it is now, I think. So, something like that. I, I'm I'm not sure. We'll just say Adabare until it gets fixed. How about that? PJ's good. PJ's good. But man, he just looked physically like he just like he's maybe a junior or senior on the on the 
the team. So I thought he was impressive. Josiah Wagner, I thought, had some good plays. He got a little bit taken advantage of by DJ Graham a little bit, but um, stood his ground for the most part. Uh, Dalen Smothers, a guy that was just running with one hand. He had a club the entire time. So uh, I thought he stood out at the very end of the game. I thought a lot of the young guys, if we're looking at, at this game as their floor, uh, the program's in pretty good shape. Yeah, and that's something that I was thinking about during the game as well. I thought, man, the kids are good. Uh, <laughs> like that, and that's an understatement, right? Yeah, Peyton Bowen making a play on the ball. I mean, <sighs> even Caden Green looked. I mean, he was a little yeah. bit of liability at times, but as a true freshman, he should be in high school still at this point in his career. Uh, right. Looked like he had some good moments. With, like with Bowen, I just, I don't know if I should cry. Like it's like a single tear that a defensive back was able to cover his receiver and track the ball midway through the route and know where the ball was and high point it and wall off the wide receiver to get an interception and actually bring it in. I was like, oh my gosh, he's only a freshman and I have tears running down my eyes. Uh, It it was, so that's some stuff. And then you have young linebackers. Uh, Kip Lewis, man, he was everywhere, all over the field. Uh, Kenak was did he didn't necessarily have the game I thought he would. He was uh, steady. He, he was part. he was steady. He was steady. Uh, but you got to like the young linebackers, uh, Kobe McKenzie, and all those guys. Uh, man, there's a lot to like in the youth, but also the transfer portal, and that's kind of like my reaction. Uh, besides the fact that. That offensive line, uh, they needed a vacation because anytime Jackson Arnold took a snap, with the exception of like a few plays in the last drive of the game, that man was getting, he wasn't even getting blitzed. They, they were just running four guys at the offensive line and caving it in every single time. But kind of speaking about Jackson Arnold, um, he's, he's not coming into, nice background, Jack. Uh, <laughs> for those that are going to see this on YouTube, Jack is experimenting with his backgrounds. Sorry, yeah, I, but I just, uh, first time I've done this on uh, Streamyard before. I usually do it on Zoom at work. We got some cool ones at work, but uh, gotta gotta tinker around a little bit. Sorry if that was distracting during the, 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 the brick wall. Made me think a wall ball in in, in elementary school when you would oh, just yeah. annihilate your friends. Oh yeah, <laughs> but uh, Jackson Arnold, he he's not coming in under the guise of him being the QB one. I mean, Spencer Rattler comes into OU under the Riley regime. And I think, and I think we all think maybe this is possibly just me that he believes he is going to play over Jalen hurts and Caleb Williams comes in subsequently. Of course, they're a year right after. And he, the man moves to Norman a year before he's even eligible to become a college freshman and he believes he's going to win that starting job in which well, he actually did that in comparison to what Spencer did with Jalen Hurts. And now you have Jackson Arnold coming in, understanding he's number two in the totem pole. It's very clear to me, at least, that Gabriel, Dylan Gabriel's QB1, yes, he had some uh, overthrows a couple times. He had some shaky moments early. But I felt like, I mean... And I'm going to come to you, Stephen, with this idea. I feel like he kind of settled in, uh, made some nice moves in the pocket, scrambled a, lo- a lot better, uh, and made some pretty decent decisions. And, of course, the first play of the game we didn't mention was a Drake Stoops, which should have been a tutty if he would have gotten the ball right <laughs> over the top. But, Stephen, what do you think about Gabriel as the bona fide QB one of this team? It is now effectively kind of his team, do you think? I think he just hates LV Bunkley Shelton. I mean, missed him what twice just over the top, but uh, no, he definitely settled in. It was a hard game for the QBs. I mean, even with the, the ones at the offensive line, they were just under pressure nonstop. So it's tough to really grade them on that aspect. Now there were some throws where Gabriel probably let it fly a little too high there, but uh, for the most part, I think he's calm, cool, relaxed kind of guy as he is. He's always been um, runs the offense efficiently and, I think, you know, he'll look back at this game and see kind of what uh, Jackson Arnold did, and that's just going to push him throughout the summer. I think today is like a measuring gauge, like, hey, I don't have that much leeway. I got to kind of dial it in here. And, Jack, I'm going to come to you with this. We saw Jackson Arnold when he was actually able to throw the ball. It was very clear when he actually was given time 
that he is as advertised from all the scouting reports. He's not yeah, going to make you miss, but he's got the wheels. That was a throw to uh, Heritage Hall kid. I mean, it was, yeah. you know, no no other way to describe it. I mean, it was incredible. I wish we could have seen him with the ones on the offensive mm-hmm. line more than just that last drive. Right. They would have, you know, rotated a little bit more there. I get that you want to have your QB one with the number one offensive line, but it's a spring game. I mean, maybe tinker around a little bit. I mean, it's not a big deal, obviously, but we think we all would have liked to have seen uh, Jackson Arnold with a clean pocket just a little bit more uh, prior to that last drive and just, you know, see him get comfortable a little bit, see him whip, see him wheel and deal a little bit. But, uh, you know, even when, uh, you know, he didn't have much time, I mean, you could see there was, I mean, his arm strength was apparent at every point in time. Mm-hmm. I mean, it was, he is a different dude. I mean, Dylan Gabriel looked like Dylan Gabriel, essentially. He had some overthrows. He had uh, some times where he, you know, didn't necessarily make the right decision in the pocket. He looked like Dylan Gabriel, essentially. And Dylan Gabriel, you know, if you have a good cast surrounding him, Dylan Gabriel is good enough. Having Dylan Gabriel is good enough. It should be if the defense is good enough, if the offensive line protects, you you have a serviceable quarterback. One who can even be more than serviceable, honestly. But Arnold, I mean, if Dylan has some trouble at any point, or if there's a single opponent who say it is getting home, <laughs> say it frequently enough. Um, the we chance. Want Jackson chance. I'm not saying that they should come. I am saying that they will come, though, if something is to happen. But you know. oh, every, everybody's going to base what they saw off of that last drive with him and Dalen Smothers just going nuts, <laughs> and they're going to be like that. This kid led them to a touchdown and should have won the game if Jaden Gibson had not dropped the two point conversion after the other two balls hit him in the Don't chest. Don't get me and started on Jaden Gibson right now. I, I, it's <laughs> Man got hit between the numbers three Man, times. Hit the it, ground. It's, it's not an isolated incident either, unfortunately. But um, yeah, what's unfortunate is I, I, I was told that Jaden Gibson had a good camp, and so I was kind of looking forward to him. And uh, maybe, maybe just a bad day. I know it's. Yeah. I know scrimmages and or and in the red white game are glorified scrimmages, but at the same I time, mean, he, like, he's so physically gifted that he's going to keep getting those opportunities, and eventually it's going to click. Eventually he's going to make the big catch. Um, just, just got to keep trying to feed him the rock, I guess. I mean, he's big and athletic enough to where it's worth taking some chances on him. So I hope he keeps getting those chances. Steven, do you feel like Jaden Gibson gives you some Jeffrey Mead vibes as far as like all the height, no. all the length, but not necessarily <laughs> no, 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 no. any of the production Jeffrey Mead, or is it too early? It's, it's, I mean, it's too early. Jaden Gibson, I thought he matured quite a bit. And I think that was one of the issues as, as freshman year was there just wasn't that maturity going from, you know, being a Florida kid out here to the Midwest, South, whatever you want to call it. The whole uh, Kale Gundy situation too. Kale Gundy. There's a lot, of, a lot of chaos in his freshman year. That's understandable. Um, but I thought, you know, that that post-practice interview um, showed a lot of character for him, a lot of development. And unfortunately, it didn't translate onto the field, but – Again, he's one of the more physically gifted receivers on the team. Um, I don't think they have another guy his size. Maybe Nick Anderson, but he's just a touch below 6'5". Um, so he's going to continue to get those opportunities, whereas Jeff Mead just never really developed. Like He just never moved the needle at all ever since arriving on campus. I, just, I want I to believe... I thought Gibson put on a good 10 pounds or so, which I, I don't think I want Jeff Mead believe... ever did in in this wide receiver core but i'm i'm and that's one of my spring game reactions too is i'm that out of everything we saw out of everything we saw the wide receiver core was i felt like the most concerning while understanding the offensive line still had injury issues with walter rouse um uh jake taylor and then still like plugging in like in experimenting what works best etc uh, and so I kind of gave the offensive line the benefit of a doubt, especially for that day. Uh, but man, I was, it's hard not to overlook the offense, uh, the, 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 the wide receivers. We look at who they have Jaleel Farouk and Drake Stoops and Austin Stogner are your best receivers. Uh, 
you've got you just got Brendan Thompson like not that long ago, like what, like an hour ago. Oh, yeah. He's a he, he and of course he has like legitimate track star speed. Um, the guy I, I was talking to Gerald Goodridge, uh, great buddies uh, of, of, of ours over at Burn Orange Nation, uh, Longhorn Pod. Uh, and he was telling me how fast this dude is. And so that's going to be something, you know, go routes and verts in this offense are very popular. Uh, but it's hard to overlook that. I mean, you had a Mims. You've in previous years, you've had guys that go up and make those difficult clutch catches. And last year, those difficult catches on third down kind of were Drake Stoops, but you also had Marvin Mims in the boundary as well. So what, and I'll go to you, Jack, what, what do you think about the wide receiver situation? Is that the highest key on like your concern level or are there other concerns that you have down on steam as well? I would, I would still say the offensive line, and that's not to say that I don't think the offensive line could round into an elite unit by the end of the year. I mean, you, you've seen it with beaten bow, Year after year, usually the offensive line does not start off setting the world on fire. Even when they bring a lot of people back, it usually takes until around the time of OU Texas for them to run, uh, you know, kind of mold into form, especially as a run blocking unit. So, you know, with the turnover they've had and with the kind of underwhelming season they had last year. That would be my biggest area of concern. But, um, you know, wide receiver obviously is going to be a big one because you just really don't see that guy who's going to go up and get it. Kind of like you said, like Farouk is a guy who's great in the open field. Like he's someone who you can use in a lot of different ways. Someone you can line up in the backfield, do lots of different things with. Stoops is going to be a reliable target out of the slot. Um, beyond that, I mean, I think you can – you can probably see some plays being made from Gavin Freeman. I mean, he's got that speed. He's someone who could take the top off potentially. Um, I just am not sure what you're going to get as far as a jump ball guy is concerned. I mean, Jaden Gibson, you know, all of six, six of them, he has not proven that he can, you know, kind of, uh, you know, take the contact or make the big catch, high point the ball, anything like that. I mean, I'll believe it when I see it. And I'd, I'd love to see it from Nick Anderson as well. But right now, I mean, you just don't have uh, – there's a lot of uncertainty there for sure. And, Stephen, where are you at with this? Like, I mean, of course, we could talk about the wide receivers. Like like Jack mentioned, I think Gavin Freeman has big playability. The guy's got speed. I mean, he's – I mean, he, Drake Stoops is a slot guy. He can make those clutch catches for you as he's done the last – really, the, the last two years. I'm just last year. You've got Austin Stogner, who is now healthy and bigger after being in a weight program and seemed like a guy that Gabriel actually kind of really liked going to and a guy that maybe hopefully won't be too you know tall to overthrow at it, basically eight feet tall. Uh, and then Jalil Farouk really only had one moment uh, on Saturday, and it was that uh, the touchdown off the pump fake, and he was just wide open. So do you have any other concerns besides the wide receivers as well? Or do you have any more pressing concerns than the wide receiver unit? Yeah. Offensive line is just a big question mark for me. Um, as far as the wide receiver room, I'm not too concerned about it at all. I mean, you're not going to get too much production with the, the, the pressure the corporate, the QBs had um, last Saturday. So um, those numbers weren't going to be good. Now, when you go back and look at the film, LV Bunkley Shelton's open three, four, five times. Uh, yep. They're getting separation there. DJ Graham making the tough catches coming back. So you have some pieces that are going to the right places or making some plays, um, but the opportunities just weren't there for them to take advantage of, especially with some of those overthrows. So uh, I, I like where the wide receivers are at. I don't think there's a go-to guy, especially, um, but I think the floor for the wide receiver room is pretty safe. What are you, how do you guys feel about the running backs in particular? And Steve, I'm going to come back to you with, with this on this one because typically Oklahoma's usually had a veteran presence and a veteran presence that actually plays consistently. Now, you have Marcus Major on the team, but I mean, his status always for the past however many years he's been on campus has always been up in the air, it feels like. And you return the most veteran guy with the most carries in Javante Barnes then Gavin Sawchuk, then the Rooks. Uh, I mean, any Tommy Walker, if you want to count him in the mix too. 
do you feel any type of way about having running backs that young playing uh, for Oklahoma or do you expect hiccups along the way, et cetera? What do you think? I think you'll get a little bit of hiccups there. Uh, Marcus Major, we'll see kind of what he does. Um, obviously, I don't think he was injured for the spring game, so he was just hanging out on the sideline. But mm-hmm. uh, this is kind of one of those cases where you just trust DeMarco Murray um, and kind of his experiences of running back at Oklahoma as well as the NFL to get these guys prepared, you know, you know, in the in the film room, on the field, on the practice field. It's going to be kind of a process this summer. And, Jack, what do you – what do you think the splits on the carries are going to be as far as running backs? I mean, like who do you think best fits this offense? Cause it was very clear. Gavin Sawchuk fits this offense really well as being a scat back bring being very quick and also being able to catch the ball. Where's Javante Barnes fit in this? Do you think Smothers gets playing time or do you think they'd stick with the tandem of Sawchuk Barnes? What, what do you think about it? The room? I would one thing I would really like to see from Barnes this year is you know maybe a little bit more wiggle when carrying the ball. I mean he he's a great straight ahead runner. He has a great looking stride. He's a burner. Um, I'd like to see him make a guy miss occasionally. Maybe show a little bit more balance as a runner as well. Uh, Sawchuk, I think that one of the really good things as well is that your top three running backs in the depth chart they've all been on campus for at least a year. You're, you, there's not really any uncertainty there. I mean, Major, you know, like you said, he has never, you know, really consistently been able to stay on the field. But, you know, if he can stay healthy, there's no reason that he can't be a regular contributor there. Um, I don't think you're going to see a guy who's just a dominant ball carrier who is, you know, a workhorse in this group. But uh, you don't necessarily need that in today's college football. I think the uh, running back by committee is a little bit more common at this point. And yeah, you've got two really good freshman running backs as well, right behind them. So, and Tywee Walker is the six guy. So you've got six guys who are at least fairly viable at the position. I mean, you remember two years ago in (laughs) 2021 when you only had two healthy running backs, scholarship running backs coming into uh, camp that year. Remember when 2005, when Jacob Gutierrez came in during the Baylor game? Yeah. Yeah, well, and you had to move Alan Patrick from a defensive back that year as well. I mean, he was oh, originally God. a DB. That worked out really well for yeah, uh, OU and for Alan Patrick. But, uh, yeah, it's uh, as far as past seasons where you've seen a lack of depth at running back, I'm there's no reason for worry as far as depth is concerned. That's one of the least concerning position groups on the team, I would say. And as far as coaching, like you said, and like you guys said, you got to trust in DeMarco Murray on – holding the ball high and tight, don't fumble the ball, you know, blocking. And, and that's and this is where, like, my kind of maybe concern settles in because right after our wide receivers, offensive line is next on my list of concerns. And one of the most difficult things, especially for a young running back, is pass protection. And with the types of guys are bringing in, I mean, like, yeah, sure, Javante Barnes, he's a physical back. He's the more physical of the guys they have. Uh, Gavin Sawchuk's a little bit smaller of a guy. Dalen Smothers isn't afraid to hit you in the mouth. Caleb Hicks isn't afraid to hit you in the mouth, but they're all still young. And so I worry about a little bit of pass protection uh, situations, but otherwise I feel pretty okay with it. Now, something that people didn't feel pretty okay with going into the game was the scoring system in itself. Uh, people were like, like, they just have the head on a swivel like wait what equals two points what equals four points what is six points what is five points why why is was the why is the offense getting points for punting etc so, jack what do you think about the scoring system that was put in place do you think it was good or bad because ultimately it did end in a a drive of consequence at the very end of the game of course generated by brent venables to see what his backup quarterback could do but did you like the scoring system? So, both of you, um, how long have each of you been watching the screen, st- uh, spring game in your life? Probably about 20 years, maybe a little bit more than that. I would say about 20 Something years. Like that. About 20 years. Yep. Can you name a single score looking back? Hell no. In a ballpark? Hell no. I can so, just remember like player performances. That's it. There you go. Marshall Musil had an amazing game. Baker Mayfield looked really good in a day where Major Trevor Knight looked like crap. Yep. 
So I'm not trying to this this might sound like a cop out, but it doesn't matter, is what I'll say. That that that's my stance on it. It doesn't matter. I mean, in, that's like the ultimate thing, right? I mean, that's what we were told the entire time. That's what we all preached on on social media, etc. It's a spring game. As long as there are no serious injuries, don't take this thing too seriously. And we say this, and we say this, and we say this, and then we go to our group chats, and we go to our group texts, and say what we think possibly are issues and stuff like that. Well, but that part's fine. It's that just part's fine, but the timing, yes, yeah. yeah. The whole like layout of it, I think, is interesting. I thought it was convenient and kind of fun at the very end, especially because, I mean... The first half, they were the guys that you really wanted to pay attention to. The third quarter, you have guys mixed in. Then the fourth quarter comes along. They start mixing more guys in, and then they say, oh, it's oh, it's a close game. They're going to put the good on good back in the game, and that's when suddenly this kind of score, this kind of scoring operational system worked out was kind of a good idea. Uh, Steven, as far as did, – did you go to the spring game? I just watched it on TV. All right. As far as far as the spring game, though, I mean, did you get a sense of how different the Venables era is continuing to be regarding the previous regime from Brent Venables, like pre-game? Hey, we're doing this in this sport. We're doing this in this sport. In this sport. In this sport. And yada yada. And then lining up guys, basically goal line to goal line. What do you, what do you think of that whole situation? Like we're not talking about Trace Atkins, hunk, honky tonk, badonk donk. We're talking <laughs> about like Brent Venables and what he's doing with the staff, but also the players. What do you do? You think there's buy into that? I mean, like the recruits, recruits obviously seem, seem to think so. Right. I think there's some buy into that. I think it kind of just shows you how much Brent Venables' heart is into this program and into the school because it meant a lot to him even after he went to Clemson, um, kind of what Oklahoma, you know, did for his career. Uh, but I think it's cool, you know, bringing the former players and obviously, you know, they want to get those guys like feeling like they can walk in anytime they want. Whereas, you know, in the Lincoln Riley area, they didn't really have that type of access as even as an alumni. Uh, but also it kind of, I think in some ways it's more like a fundraising thing. It's like, Hey, come in, you know, mm. crowd's going to cheer for you by the way, we're building a new facility. We might need some help with that too. So I think, it, you know, there's some of that. It's a feel good story. It's hearts in it, but also, Hey, we also need some help from these guys. And speaking of help, I mean, they got a lot of help in promos and for the people that are going to watch us on YouTube, we just saw uh Jack's dog, Archie, right? No, this Not- is Griffin. Griffin, all Griffin right. Griffin is Archie's brother. Archie, uh, Archie won't let me pick him up. He'll bite me if I try to pick him up. So I have to pick up yep. Griffin. Yeah, I mean that's a good reason not to pick up something if it bites yeah, you. Yeah, so. he he is all about. So Archie's all about affection, but it has to be on his terms. So mm. uh, he doesn't like being picked up. But Griffin's fine. Griffin's a little sweetheart, aren't you, Griffin? But. What drew so like Stephen? You mentioned positive attention, especially. I think Oklahoma got a lot of that uh, because of Kyla Murray's Heisman statue unveiling. Uh, of course, before and after, it actually looks like him. It actually, it's a fantastic statue. Everything from the headband to the sleeves to the hair to the face. Uh, I thought it was. I think it's probably. I think it's probably like one of the best, if not the best trophy that's going to be in Heisman Park so far, as far as accuracy and what I kind of expected. Uh, what, what do you guys think, Jack? What, what, do, what do you think about the statue and then like the whole ceremony of it and all the unveiling of everything? I thought as far as statues uh, nowadays go, it was probably the most accurate looking one I've seen in a long time. I mean, let's think of the recent history of statues and busts at the University of Oklahoma and uh, elsewhere. I mean, I I think of the Ronaldo bust where his teeth are way too prominent. Um, I think (laughs) of uh, Mark Andrews' bust uh, on the stadium where he looks like Steve-O, not the Steve-O on our (laughs) podcast, the other Steve-O. 
then I look at Baker's statue from last year where he looks like the bad guy in Terminator 2. You know, it's it's mm-hmm. I think Kyler's looks pretty decent, honestly. Whoever did Kyler's did a really good job. And it wasn't spotted on the back of a trailer going down no. the highway in Oklahoma well, like Bob's was. So that's good, right? That, that was, was pretty good news. cool though. I mean, I don't have a problem with that. That's kind of cool. Like just like somebody draped it's it's not even draped over any nothing no. draped over it's it. just like out in the open, yeah, on oh, yeah. yeah. <laughs> just a big bronze it. statue of bob stoops just hanging out down the highway um so and because we just mentioned it it is a scrimmage it is a glorified final scrimmage until summer hits um and jack you kind of mentioned it it is a practice it is a glorified practice Yes, I can say Oklahoma's wide receivers need more work while they get a transfer portal guy and while Jaquez Petaway is probably going to actually play this year because of the speed and he has as well. Um, Should I take anything seriously away from this game? And should fans take anything away seriously from this game other than maybe lack of depth? It's all about individual performances for me. That's what you can take from it. And you can uh, see how athletic someone looks. You can see what someone's skill is like. I remember the 2007 spring game, uh, seeing uh, DeMarco Murray in person for the first time. And my immediate reaction is that is Reggie Bush with power. Mm. And I wasn't far off. So, I mean, I I love uh, seeing guys like that for the first time. I remember seeing Adrian Peterson for the first time in uh, 04. Um, it's always a good opportunity to uh, see something like that. I mean, in 10 years, we might be talking about how we saw Jackson Arnold for the first time and saw right. that great throw in the fourth quarter. So Gosh, that's what it- I'm really looking for. I mean, you can't really take too much away from what you see from a position group because usually in the fall, it's a completely different situation or just really tough to tell. But uh, yeah, you can't you know take too much from position groups, but uh Individual performances, if you see someone ball out, um, there's some validity to it. It made me so upset that they called Jackson Arnold's touchdown run all the way back. <laughs> they like if a real football game was happening, they were not going to catch him. They barely got an arm well, on his hip. Harrington, I mean, would have taken his head off right there. I he mean, was he bearing wasn't... down, but I think he would have gotten blindsided. I don't know. <laughs> I, it was I, still like, fun. He clearly has some wheels. I'll yes. say that. I mean, and he showed that. Kind of like ice Baker. Cream, yeah. Yeah. yeah Very like straight that. line. Very yeah. straight line. But he's he, that dude is stride, thick. Though. I mean, he's a, he's yeah. a much bigger guy than Baker is. So. He is a he's a thick quarterback. I mean, like yeah. he says, it says he's six one. He's probably along the lines of again, like six foot, five eleven, etc. He, but he's like a legit six one six foot i mean baker was listed at that height he's probably five ten. i mean yeah he's, i agree he's with that jackson's a bigger guy than baker for sure and so steven i'm coming at you with the same question should i take anything away from this game or should fans take anything away from this game because it is a practice and different guys might shine on different days it just happened to be in front of over fifty thousand people which right now is one of the tops in the nation as far as spring game attendance, once again. Yeah, I think uh, there's a couple of things you can take away. And these aren't just major factors. These are just things to keep an eye on during the summer. And, and one of those being, obviously, the depth of the offensive line just isn't where it needs to be. Um, so there's going to be a tough, tough summer uh, with Schmitty with the, with the offensive lineman, I think. Um, the other one is the young guys. Do they fit? Do they look like they fit? Or are they out of place? I thought a lot of the young guys just fit right into the system. Um, this is really Brent Venable's first class. You kind of get to see what his image for the for the the program is, and if it's this class, it's. I mean, I think it looks really, really good. I mean, Peyton Bowen, Josiah Wagner, Adabare, Smothers, all those guys played pretty well. Um, now, does that translate to the fall? I don't know, but right now they look pretty good. And that's and that's the reason why I think that Jaden Davis, I mean, albeit he was nicked up, injured, etc. But I think there's also other reasons why Jaden Davis entered his name in the transfer portal because the kids are all right. I mean, you got Peyton Bowen, Makari Vickers, Josiah Wagner, all guys that are bigger. Yeah, gosh, they're 
bigger, longer, more athletic. And Picciotti, yeah, he from when he went from Pennsylvania to IMG, that dude got big, big, and and that's that's an understatement. And so, I mean, let's let's talk about let's talk about the kids. I mean, you got Bowen there. Uh, you already have other guys that you just have seen like growing up in the backfield. Heck, I I didn't even notice notice Key Lawrence because there were so many guys that they can have in the defensive backfield that you haven't seen that in a minute of quality players and like Bakari Vickers heard you hear his name uh of course you know Gentry Williams still going through some stuff isn't isn't going to be playing there right at that spring game anyways but I expect him to start or at least play significant snaps and then who who else who are some other young guns that you guys thought you know play their tail off and you can talk about redshirt freshmen and just true freshmen just in general or um if you want to some of the transfer guys, because again, these are guys that stand out to us, but Jaden Davis, I believe transferred for a reason, or am I reading too much into that? So, hey, yeah. I mean, Oh, go ahead. I'm going to go ahead, Jack. Yeah. Oh, well, I was going to say, I mean, I know we just talked about Peyton Bowen, but you know, his reputation heading into the spring out of high school was that he was, you know, more of a center fielder, a great coverage guy, a great a guy with great ball skills, a guy you know who could move really well. Um, I was really impressed with his physicality in this game. He was way he showed way more right off the bat as a thumper in run protection than had been advertised. I think. I mean, I know that you know he showed off some good hits in high school, but I think there was you know maybe a little bit of. Uh, you know, early concern about, you know, his build and things of that nature. I, that has been put to rest. I mean, he is a true thumper, a guy who could be reliable and run protection. And uh, he showed a lot as far as that's concerned. Uh, Steve, what about you? We talked about some others a little bit. Hicks had a pretty good day as well. Um, as good as you could have with that offensive line, but he's a guy that uh, he's a little bit bigger than I thought. I thought he put on a lot of muscle. Um, a little bit faster than I thought. So um, that just adds to the depth that they have a running back. Him and Smothers kind of like a thunder and lightning um, combo there with this class. So I thought Hicks kind of an underrated play of the day. Gosh, Hicks had an underrated play. I think people are just enamored by Smothers having basically almost a club on his hand and making a spin move and on the last drive and wowing a lot of fans. And that was fun to see. And I mean, we have standouts. We talked about them as far as, especially the guys that transferred in. Those are the standouts that we all mentioned that we thought were pretty significant. And so one of the last things I wanted to hit on before we hit on some recruiting stuff is the defense. It looked a lot more intact than it had previously. And of course, this defense has been going up against the same offense for quite a while in spring. So they already kind of know a lot of the things that in their in their tendencies. And we know Oklahoma has deficiencies, and especially in offensive areas like offensive line, uh, some unproven guys in the wide receiver unit. So is the defense really that improving that much or is it maybe a mix of both? What are we thinking? Uh, Jack, I'm coming to you. So I still, you know, I know Kip Lewis and Kobe McKenzie, they're getting a lot of good reports out of camp. I mean, they're obviously the fact that they're able to step up right now is a really big help for the depth. I still want to see it on Saturdays. Um, that's one thing for sure. But, um, you know, as far as the defensive backfield is concerned, I'm more confident right now than I have been in a minute, you know, at least as far as the ability is concerned. I mean, I don't really see one area of the defensive backfield where I'm really concerned. And that is a, uh, that's a welcome change. Um, defensive line, you know, the interior, no matter what we saw on Saturday, that's, that's still a wait and see situation. I think mm -hmm. the ceiling is not super high right now for that group. Um, you know, you're still trying to build that, uh, that unit through high school recruiting and, you know, occasionally the portal, uh, Jacob Lacey's going to be a big help. Of course. So uh, you're bringing back Jordan Kelly, you've got Isaiah Coe. Um, but no one in that group is, you know, you don't really think of as a dominant presence. 
And you're going to need that in Brent Venables' defense. I mean, he's someone who has always had that, usually, dating mm -hmm. back to when he was at Oklahoma the first time. He's usually had a big anchor on the inside. Still don't quite have that, I don't think. I mean, you've got some serviceable guys, but, uh, you know, there are still questions about the defensive line for sure, even, you know, with what we saw on Saturday. I mean, you can chalk some of it that, you know, being – the offensive line being a little bit banged up, but, uh, yes, you know, as far as the defense as a whole is concerned, you know, keep in mind, it's a really complicated scheme and it's the second year in that scheme now. So I feel like a lot of the mistakes you saw last year are probably going to be cleaned up. And so I would, I would imagine there's a, a moderate jump from last year. Mm -hmm. And, and I just remember doing a deep dive into Clemson's defenses when Brent went there I mean, and it was like like you mentioned, the first year they're pretty okay. That next year they made a moderate jump, and then the subsequent years after that was significant jump to significant jump to being like number two, you know, top five, number one defense in the nation. So it's certainly a process, but I don't think you're wrong. And so, and, and so, Stephen, in what ways, or do you think the defense is improving? Or was it more of an offense a little bit lacking? Is it a little bit of both? What things are you seeing that make you feel those ways, et cetera? Because I felt like Danny Stutzman, you know, he had a typical Stutzman day. I was didn't really wasn't really too much impressed by Ethan Downs from the snaps he did have. But of course, like Jack mentioned earlier, Rondell Bothroyd is all as he was advertised. Um, I'm curious to see some more uh, snaps, um, even though he will have limited minutes uh, from Trace Ford, who's an Oklahoma kid uh, from Santa Fe High School up in Edmond. And so I'm just really curious to see a lot of those guys as well. But what do you think about the defense possibly like improving into this year, going into their second year? Yeah, I think it's a little bit of both. Obviously, the offense didn't, didn't bring it that day, but um... – defensively I thought there was a lot less standing around a lot less kind of watching the play happen um a lot of uh more reacting to it I mean you had guys like even Adabari getting the flats Key Lawrence coming up with the flats making tackles Peyton Bowen uh coming up from safety so there's a lot better understanding of the defense I think it was a little bit faster a little less kind of kind of waiting and watching uh that they did last year so I think you can kind of see that the first year they took their bumps and bruises. Okay. Now we kind of understand what we're trying to do with this thing. So I think they did improve. I think, um, you know, especially in the, the defensive backfield, I think there's a lot more athletes, I think up front and the defensive line, uh, probably kind of in the same situation as last year, probably not a superstar uh, on that squad, but uh, I think this year you have a lot more guys. You can kind of rotate, get some fresh bodies in there and hopefully that will improve um you know pressures and run fits and stuff like that and so any final takes on the spring game it was cold for april i feel like that happens That's every it. spring game though i mean i feel like we get a cold game every year my dad at the tailgate actually was saying that there's you know two big certainties in april in the state of oklahoma one that the spring game at ou is going to be unseasonably cold and two, that it's going to rain cats and dogs at the Arts Festival. And I think we're going to go two for two this year on that, based on the weather forecast mm -hmm. this week. Yep. So, Dad, Dad always knows. I, I can't remember the last time. Was it nice last year? I can't remember the last time it was actually a so. nice, nice outside. Maybe the last time it was nice was the Trace Atkins, Atkins uh, one, but I think that one oh, was man. still a little bit windy. But – we got some crewing stuff to talk about. I mean, Oklahoma just picked up a transfer guy from Texas in Brennan Thompson, but there's a lot more. Steven, who who is Oklahoma in on? Oklahoma's obviously gotten commitments. Uh, it appears as if the whole family vibe at OU within Brent Venables staff is definitely paying off. Uh, you're just hopeful that they get David Stone. So who are some guys that Oklahoma is in on? Who are, some Oklahoma, who are some guys that Oklahoma should really be looking at, in particular Oklahoma fans should be looking at, in particular to maybe joining the squad uh, over the next possible months or that have already joined? Yeah, so you got those two commitments from uh, Jaden Hardy and uh, Brennan Thompson, or three, sorry, the Autry kid who's uh, Marcus Dupree's, I think, nephew or second nephew, something like yep. that, which is 
kind of wild, but um, you know, guys upcoming look like a, a guy like uh, Michael Boganowski, uh, probably going to be a linebacker. I think he's labeled as a safety right now. Uh, big kid out of Kansas moves really well. Probably, you know, if there's going to be a cheetah in this class, it's probably going to be him. If not, he'll move into the inside linebacker, but really good athlete. Great name, Boganowski. Oh yeah. I don't think there's been a good name. Like what's Rukowski's the last one. Yeah. yeah I don't Rukowski. know. You. So good name there. Uh, wide receiver out of Texas, Zion Kearney. Uh, that's been an OU A&M battle. I think OU is kind of inching ahead there. And I think he might have a decision coming you know, pr- pretty soon, either this week, next week, you know, somewhere down the line. Um, Caden Durham is someone I'm kind of watching. Um, oh, he's kind of been the leader there, uh, running back out of Duncanville, but he's originally from War, Oklahoma. So kind of an in-state kind of guy. Um, but he took a visit to LSU. People think LSU are kind of inching ahead there. So that's going to be kind of where, where do they want to see themselves? Do they want to chase Durham um, against LSU or do they want to kick the tires with the guy like Tyler Tatum? Um, also out of Texas. So running backs getting more interesting than we kind of predicted um, going into April. What I, what I hear a lot of is, especially after like speaking on, on behalf of that, what I hear a lot of is Emmett Jones as the wide receiver coach is already paying dividends. Yeah. That's you got Brendan Thompson, Zion Kearney's close. They lead probably for uh, what's his name? Wesco. The, uh, yep. he's going to be a five-star wide receiver eventually. So there's a lot of big names out there. What I think is interesting is Emma Jones is going to coach the entire unit as a whole, from my understanding, instead of having inside guys in, in, in one room and outside guys in another. Um, and then having the expertise of Seth Luttrell, because we haven't been on the air for in a minute, uh, also in that room with them, who also ran that spread over at North Texas for a minute as well. Uh, and so there's there's so many things that are resulting out of this that after Riley left, after the Lincoln-Riley regime, they left literally in the early morning hours in the dark. Uh, people were saying, oh, Oklahoma's recruiting is done. They're dead, yada, yada. And then you see Oklahoma putting forth probably some of their best recruiting efforts and best recruiting jobs last year. And it seemingly is continuing this year without like much pressure. And it's not like the whole Bob approach where you're getting all your recruits after January, you're getting them and early national sign day on the first one, which I think is an impressive feat by the staff and Brent in itself. Um, what other takes do you guys have about Oklahoma recruiting in general? I thought Oklahoma was poor and suddenly now they can. Yeah. So suddenly now they're fine recruiting and have decent NIL money. It, I don't understand it. Now I'm, I'm confused on other fan bases. Jack, what do you, what do you think about this? Well, poor programs aren't typically in the top three for every elite defensive lineman in the country, which is seemingly the case uh, the past two years at this point at Oklahoma. So uh, David Stone, I mean, He's been, you know, seen as almost a de facto OU commit for the past, what, two years at this point. I mean, you can't really count out Mel Tucker necessarily. I mean, he obviously has a good relationship with Mel Tucker. And I think he just wants to, you know, go through the process, essentially. He wants to take his official visits, and you can't commit to Oklahoma unless you're done taking your official visits. That's, you know, Brent's little rule there, so... Um, more power to them. I mean, take your visits, enjoy the process. Um, I think Oklahoma fans can still be confident that he's going to end up in Norman where he's always been, you know, destined to end up. And, uh, you know, I don't think you necessarily have to be paranoid there, but at the same time, you know, if you're still taking visits, you know, people are going to be in your ear. People are going to be recruiting you. Um, you can never call it an open and shut case there, but you know, once OU does officially land David Stone, I mean that's a, you know that's a Gerald McCoy esque recruiting win right there, as far as uh, caliber is concerned, and in state, uh, you know, an in state boom is concerned. Stephen, any last thoughts on recruiting before we head out of here? I'm not as confident on David Stone as I was. I think um, obviously he's taken quite a few visits to Oklahoma. Uh, there's always been the rumor that he would have been committed to Oklahoma 
you know, had that rule not be in place, but I still think his recruitment's more open than most would, would figure right now. And I think Oklahoma probably still is, you know, kind of a lean there, but it's, it's closer than people probably realize. But on the other hand, I think, you know, Oklahoma really showed themselves or really put themselves ahead for Joseph Jonah Ajaye, um, Nigel Smith, and those two are both big-time defensive line prospects. Yeah, no, I agree. And for Stone, I am basically, I flip-flop every other day. Some days I say he's definitely going to be an Oklahoma kid. Some days I'm thinking he's definitely gone, but maybe not to Michigan State. It's the weirdest situation as far as he goes. I mean, heck, I think there was like an Instagram post or something silly the other day where he said he wouldn't even be considering OU if his sister didn't go there or something like that. Of course, it's it's, it's a teenager in social media, so what can yeah, you just kind of goof around that? Right there? Yeah, and that's and that's the thing, right? So you, you can't really really take too much from it, but what you can take is that Brent Venables, Todd Bates, and this staff they know how to recruit and they know how to finish the job and they know how to close the deal, and that's something that some of their proteges didn't necessarily uh do especially in their in, in their ways of recruiting um but they're doing it and doing it at a better pace than actually uh old guy up in uh los angeles is doing it right now especially defensively when they are just scouring the transfer portal because they cannot recruit a soul from high school to go to los angeles so with that said we're going to end our first episode of the Bud, Barry, Bob, and Beer Podcast. First episode going on. It's a fantastic voyage that we are once again starting. Of course, you can follow all of us on Twitter. You can follow Jack at J. Larry Shields. Or if you want to get in touch more with Jack with most often, he's also operating this, this season machine Twitter <laughs> handle, right? Yeah, I know. Um, you can follow Steven at OEF Data SB. You can follow me at K underscore Moravian. Uh, we'll put the Discord link in the bio, y'all. Thank you guys for listening. Thank you guys for continuously listening to us. But it just will be a different name with the same faces and the same great content. So if you guys wouldn't mind giving us a five star review on iTunes or Spotify, Google Play, all the podcasts that we're going to be on. And we got a good five for the dog. What a wonderful ending of this podcast. Thanks for supporting us, guys, and we will talk to you later.